Hi friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, Forbes blogger, speaker, and now author of my own career book that has just released for pre-order on Amazon. You can probably guess the name as it's also called U-Turn, spelled Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. This book is all about getting unstuck, discovering your direction, and designing your dream career. I created the U-Turn podcast and wrote the U-Turn book with this goal of helping you reconnect to who you truly are and upgrading your confidence in work and in love. So if you're looking to get even more clarity beyond the podcast and even the book on where you belong in the workforce or you wanna make a career pivot or just explore your purpose overall, we have a brand new free quiz to help you out with that. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com if you wanna take it. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com for the free quiz. Also, I'm really excited to finally let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Organifi. I have fallen so in love with their smoothie protein, their chocolate, their vanilla, and also their green juice drink. I have both of these products every single day. And after years of declining and dodging sponsorship, because I didn't want to feel sticky promoting something to you, I decided that their products were so good, so transformative for my health and my morning routine that I reached out to them and asked if they wanted to sponsor the U-Turn show. So if you are inspired to upgrade your health during these uncertain times and you want products to add into your routine throughout the day, I just can't recommend them enough. I was able to get you a discount code for 15% off when you check out. All you gotta do is head on over to Organifi.com backslash U-Turn. It's spelled Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash Y-O-U, T-U-R-N. Make sure you enter the code U-Turn at checkout on their website. And now let's dive in to this week's episode. If something really bad happens to you today, you know, you lose a lot of money, you lose a big client, you get broken up with, you don't get that job. Time heals all wounds, but you have to build the time muscle, which a lot of people don't have. What's going on, U-Turn friends? It's Ash here, and I've got a special treat in the work category of the U-Turn podcast today. It's Ryan Serhant from Million Dollar Listing in New York. He has his own real estate group in New York, and no surprise, they are top performers at sales. And after talking to Ryan um, for my job at SoFi as a spokesperson, I was like, I need him on this podcast because there's so many of you who would get so inspired by his story and his sales tips. So, Uh, We are going to talk about some tips to sell yourself and be great at sales in general. And Ryan, thank you so much for making time to be with me again. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, I you're just such a fun time. I was actually at a gathering, um, like a virtual gathering mastermind kind of a thing. And I was like, we all need to get Ryan Serhant in our life. He's a really fun time. <laughs> and like <laughs> I guess yes. that's my goal in life. I want people talking about me that way in parties. We need to have more Serhant. He's fun. Yeah, totally. And and these were all and actually the guy I was telling it to was on Million Dollar Listing LA. I didn't know that his house was being sold on really? the show out here in LA. Super funny. So just small world, small community, I guess. But I'm wondering how you do that. Like, is there anything you've been able to do to kind of like have an out-of-body of experience of yourself and be like, what am I doing that make people say that about me? You know what? It's funny you say that. When the show first started, Million Dollar Listing New York premiered in 2012, March 2012. You know, after the first couple months of episodes, I remember my mom calling me and saying, you know what, buddy? The things you think are funny are not always funny to other people. Um, (laughs) And I will never forget that because I was like walking between appointments, uh, between showing apartments in the Upper West Side. It was really hot. I was like sweating. My mom called to give me some, you know, negative uh, uh, feedback and criticisms from her friend group, you know, my parents' friends groups who uh, did not find me humorous on the show because I guess my, my slanty humor was a little dirtier, you know, darker than theirs was. Um, so it's interesting, that, you know, there are some people who get it and some people who just don't. I think I tend to, you know, 
like more and the people like me more who don't take life as seriously. Like every day is serious, right? We only have one life to live. Let's get up. Let's crush it. Let's, let's, let's go to work. Let's hustle. Let's work hard. But at the same time, like I am just a real estate broker. I'm not, I'm not curing cancer. Like I am not, you know, performing open heart surgery. I'm not going to the moon. Like I'm not, you know, changing the world in any way, even though sometimes I tell my wife I do because I do save the world one house at a time. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of people who, who just take themselves way too seriously. And it just, it just drives me crazy. Yeah, totally. I feel like before I found my partner and I was dating, like that was like an experiment in realizing the percent of the population, especially of men that take themselves very seriously. Yeah. It's just insecurity, you know, it's just like, it's insecurity. It's like sexual insecurity. It's all like, it's a different podcast, but yeah, it's all a thing. Yeah, totally. And I, and I, I, it is a whole thing. That's exactly what I called them. I'm like, this is a whole thing because (laughs) it, it felt like, um, I don't know. Like it, it just kind of felt like, why does anything funny lay flat? And I do think some people are just naturally more serious, but I think you're right. There's like this undertone of, of, I don't know, like being threatened by loosening up. And I think that's definitely what you're doing. But you also told me when I interviewed you for SoFi, um, I, I would love to tell everybody a little bit about your story because, and sorry, Ryan, if I'm saying this wrong, but you did sound kind of like you felt uncomfortable and like a little nerdy. And I was a nerd in uh, high school and in middle school. So I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because sometimes we think about like the nerdy upbringing feeling of uncomfortable and we don't equate it to where you're at right now. Yeah, I think that, you know, if I could go back in time to my younger self when I was 8, 10, definitely 14, 15, 16, I would tell myself not to be so anxious, stop stressing out about, you know, how bad your skin is and how overweight you are and how you know, you only have two friends and girls don't like you and how you suck at throwing balls. And the only thing you like doing is theater and just tell that kid, dude, everything's going to be okay. Just chill. Everything's going to be fine. There's always tomorrow. Because when I was younger growing up, like, you know, everything is relative. And when you're 14, 15, 16, even when you're in college or you just graduated college, the only life you know is the life you've lived. It is so hard to take advice from people older than you and people more experienced. I mean, you listen to it. People listen to these podcasts. They watch YouTube videos. They see movies. They, they get it. You understand. But, you know, even now for me, you know, the advice my parents are going to give me is, you know, it's, it's great, but you're 70. <laughs> you know, it's different. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I grew up very insecure, very, very self-conscious about, you know, the way I looked. And that's, you know, when you're growing up and you know, in elementary school, middle school and high school, I think anywhere in the world, but definitely in the Northeast where like, if you don't, if you're not good with a hockey stick, then you're not good at anything. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was tough. And so, but I do credit that time of my life, uh, towards making me the person I am today, because I think if my back wasn't up against that peer pressure, social embarrassment, shameful, scary wall, I wouldn't have pushed myself so hard as I got older, right? Because I had something to actually run away from. Not that you should ever run away from anything, but I, I do look at people all the time who are very successful or very confident. And I, I do then look at their past and 99% of the time they weren't born successful and they weren't born confident, right? They had to find that within themselves. And a lot of times it comes from a point of struggle or a point of pain, and that for me was elementary school, middle school, high school. Mm. Mm. Well, this makes me also curious because I didn't have time to ask you last we spoke about like a failure and also big breaks because you're on Bravo. My family does real estate, so they absolutely love the show. And I got to walk in with them after we spoke. So I was like, let me see what this character named Ryan that I spoke to is up to. Yeah. And it was so much fun to watch you. And I was, I was also just thinking to myself, like everybody has a big break moment, everybody, and maybe a few small breaks that make a big break and they have failures along the way. So I'm curious, what was your relationship to creating the success you have now along the way? Like, how did you hold failure emotionally and what were some failures you faced before that big break? And I just want to learn a little bit about what was that big break that you think contributed to where you're at now? I kind of look at life, especially my professional life, as white 
water rafting, right? Like there is, there's a river and we're in the river. Um, everyone starts in the river when it's nice and calm at the beginning. Everyone gets help going into the rafts. Everyone gets help with your life vest. Everyone has teachers who teach them how to whitewater raft. Everyone starts the first time you do it with your family. You're all on the same boat, okay? But as you go further down the river and the water starts to get a little bit choppy, you know, some people don't want to be in the boat anymore, so they jump off. And eventually, you're by yourself, okay? Because now you're more skilled. Now you don't need the instructors. Now you don't need your parents. Now you don't need all the friends that you brought on that whitewater rafting trip at the beginning. And you just keep going, and the waves get worse, right? The waves get worse, but after the waves, the calm is actually calmer. So you get hit with bigger waves, but you actually get more times of calm. And as long as you can figure out how to go through the waves, you know that there's calm on the other side. And success on that river isn't a matter of if you're going to have it or not. You can see it because it's, it's down around the bend. And maybe that level of success isn't what you want. Maybe it's three bends down. Maybe there's a tree in the middle. And maybe there's a rain cloud about to crush you three quarters of a mile down. But you can actually physically see it. Right? It's there. And yeah. for me, that's what this has always been about. It's not a matter of if I'm going to be successful, or if I'm going to make an income, or if this is going to happen, you know, I, I can't look at life that way because then I would never get out of bed. Like that would be, I, I can't live in a world where things may or may not happen. Like they are mm-hmm. going to happen. I know they will happen because I can see them, and it's I just got to get there and I got to manage the waves and I've got to figure out my skills. You know, like mm-hmm. you can't just get in a in a you know in a raft and go down the Colorado River and by yourself and expect yourself to live like you need to know what you're doing and you've got to learn more skills and i will say that or what do they say they say luck is when uh you know uh, hard work meets opportunity and all the hard work that you put into things combined with the opportunity that one day to go into the open casting call for million dollar listing new york with three thousand other agents at the hudson hotel in early 2010 produces luck which is, wow, you got cast on that show. You must be so lucky. That set up your whole career for you, which is true. But I'd been on that river for 23 years trying to get to that point, knowing that it was somewhere down there. I didn't know that it was going to be Million Dollar Listing New York. I had no idea it was going to be a reality TV show on Bravo. I just knew that one day I would put myself in a, in a, in a world of extreme exposure. Hopefully it would be on television because I think that's a great medium to do it. And I just wanted to be prepared. So I took acting classes and theater classes and I studied for it. And there was a lot of bumps in the way. There's a lot of trees. Like I ran out of money. You know, I I lived in a closet at 38 West 31st street and shared a bathroom with 16 people on the 11th floor for a long time. Um, And that was definitely a bumpy part in the river for me. But as I managed to cut through those waves over and over, the sun opened up and there was great calm ahead. That is a really long answer to your simple question. <laughs> no, I just, it was actually a really good metaphor because I'm a very mediocre water rafter. And part of it's because I'm not doing some of the measures you're thinking. Like I just kind of hop in and then I'm like, oh shit, like this is a crazy ride. So <laughs> totally great metaphor. And I, I guess what was coming up as I was listening to you was this idea of success. Like you walked into this casting call. So clearly you had some intention behind what you were doing and some purpose behind putting yourself out there in that way. Um, was this something that you had dreamed of, like getting on a TV show? I know you'd mentioned you'd studied theater. And if so, what do you think it was that you did in that casting that made it this big break for you? And do you have anything along the way that got you that moment? Or did you just show up and your life totally changed when you landed that? I mean, I came to New York and I actually, I got cast because I, I would sit my, my I, I did my life hasn't really changed. I moved to New York and I said, okay, I'm going to do everything I can every single day to make something of my life. I think I'm going to do it with theater. I think that's, that's my first thing, right? That's my passion. I think that's what I want to do. I think. So let me work my butt off at it. I had two roommates who were both paralegals and they were both going to go to law school. One was at Cadwallader, Wickersham and Daft, a uh, big corporate law firm. Another was at the DA's office in lower Manhattan. And I told myself, I'm going to wake up before they do. I'm going to go to bed after they do. I'm going to work my ass off. So every day I would submit 
I mean, a hundred resumes and headshots to casting directors and agents. I would go stand in line at Times Square for actors' equity auditions, and I would submit myself for anything possible. I'd do free theater, student films, this, that, like anything I could. It was really, really, really hard. But the first thing I got cast on was this internet reality TV show called Intern that was on CBS.com, and I got on it to find the next soap star to get a role on As the World Turns. And I did mm. that show and I won. And I got onto As the World Turns as Evan Walsh the Fourth. And I was a biochemist prodigy in 2007. And I thought I had made it. Like that was my big <laughs> break, right? Yeah. I figured out how to win this reality show on the internet. I figured out how to get America to vote for me on the internet. <laughs> okay. And this was like 2007 was like reality TV was, you know, I think the Kardashians made it, might've just started, but it was like survivor still, you know, amazing race, still a lot of that stuff. And, you know, and I got on that show and then not long after they killed me off. I took a syringe to the heart, uh, on the, oh on the rooftop of the hospital. Uh, wrestling my grandmother, no less. Okay, so this uh, is literally an episode, not like is a metaphor. No, no, that's a, no, that happened. You can Google it. YouTube, Ryan okay. Sturhan, Ezra Turns, and you'll see like young me uh, with brown hair, not pure gray, um, <laughs> wrestling my aunt and my grandmother on a rooftop um, because I was I started as a good doctor and then I killed everybody. It was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, not a whole thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that was my big break. And then I got fired. And I got fired. They killed me off. Um, the the production company that owned Ezra Turns, you know, ratings were dwindling. And so they just kept firing actors and cutting budgets, this, that, the other. And the show eventually got canceled after, I think, 54 years on the air or something nuts. Um, and I thought, like, my world was over. Like, that was it. Like, boom, brick wall. But I kept at it and kept doing other auditions and other student films and other little things. And I eventually in the summer of 2008 just ran out of money and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't want to leave New York because I knew if I left New York, you know, like I would never come back. Mm. The hardest part about New York is getting to New York. Once you can get there, you set up shop, get your mattress, you got ramen money, you know, you, you, you're good. You can figure Mm -hmm. it out. There's a lot of people in New York who are willing to help. New York is a tiny little island that 11 million people stand on every day. And it swells to even more than that, you know, when people are at work. And so I knew if I left, I would never come back. And that would be the, that would be the real failure for me. So I just did odd jobs here and there. And then I eventually had a friend who said, get into real estate, you weirdo, make your own hours, which was a lie. And then I started as a real estate agent renting apartments in Koreatown and Long Island City, Queens, uh, the day Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy in September 15th, 2008. Um, and I hit a lot of walls from there on. But I think the most important thing for me was always, it was never a wall. Right? You're never hitting a wall. The wall is that thing we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, that thing that you run from. Right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was a, I never want to be you know, covered in acne, pudgy, with no girlfriend yeah. ever again. <laughs> like I, wanna, yeah, I, I never want to be broke ever again. Mm-hmm. I remember what it was like in 2008, crying on the subway, not knowing how I was going to pay rent and what I was going to do. I will never go back to that feeling for the rest of time. I don't care what people say. Um, and so I had to keep hustling every day the same way I did when I was an actor. And so I think when I went to the million dollar listing audition, it was just, it was another appointment for me. I didn't treat it like the be all end all. I treated it like I'm doing everything I can every day to make something happen. If this works, right. if it doesn't work, Great. And so when I went into the audition, they were like, I will never forget. They're like, why are you here? So, and I just said, because I'm the greatest broker in the history of the world. Granted, oh my God. I've been amazing. doing it for like a year. Okay. Yeah. But who are they? They were from LA. What do they know? Uh, mm-hmm. They asked me like what my, what my favorite animal was. And I, I got, I was so nervous that I, I went alphabetical and I said aardvark. Um, oh my God. Stop. And I think, yeah, 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 yeah. They bring it up to me now like once a year because they'll never forget it either because it was on my audition tape for the longest time. They're like, so they, they watch this guy with a baby face, gray hair, and he tells he loves he's the greatest broker in the world and his favorite animal is an aardvark. Uh, <laughs> we're going to bring him back. We don't know what the hell's going on, but we're going to bring him back and see what else we can do. And that's kind of what happened. I just... I, I think I, I just stood out. I was also comfortable in front of a camera. Obviously, I've been doing it kind of my whole life. Um, 
and I, I made an impression on them and I gave them what they wanted, you know, and in any interview, date, job, audition, anything, your goal is always to show up and give them what they want. Right. And then once, once you do that, then you get to make the decision of, am I going to get what I want or mm-hmm. it's not worth it for me anymore. But at least you I, then have the power to make that decision on your own. Most people go into interviews and job, job interviews or auditions or dates going in there so focused on what they want that you completely miss the whole point of that initial first conversation when your whole job is just to listen and respond and not listen to reply. Mm-hmm. You know, you're reminding me of so many things. Like my mind is flying. Like number one, I coach a lot of job seekers. Like that's how I created success. And one thing that you talk about is like, you decided you were going to win when you moved to New York, like you just decided. And it's really interesting, Ryan, because my experience was having worked in counterterrorism and national security. Uh, when I was a job seeker, I had a mantra of very high intention and very low attachment. And that got me through cold emailing that got me through following up that got me through networking events, because just like you had said, like, this was just another audition and a string of auditions because you already decided you were going to win and you're going to keep going. And for me, I was just like, I'm going to keep sending cold emails because like my grandma said, you knock on 10,000 doors, eventually one is going to say yes to you. So I was like, I'm just going to knocking on my doors. Yeah. And, but you know, for me, and I think for a lot of people, I ended up creating an online course. I, there was an element of luck and grace and then also hard work. And I ended up early in like 2015 scaling an online course. And in two months I went from like a hundred thousand dollars in debt to like $5 million in sales on one course on a webinar. And, and then I lost a lot of it, which is a whole story in and of itself. Um, I've, bad business. I've read. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a doozy. And, um, it's like, like you said, like you thought when you were on that soap opera and you know, you literally had the syringe to your neck or whatever the situation was, somebody else's neck sounds like really a crazy thing. You thought your life was over. And for me, when I made all that money and then I lost a lot of it through making naive business decisions and not really knowing myself at 26, 27 as a businesswoman, um, it felt really dark. And like you said, it's like, you could go down the water raft and be like, I want to be successful all the way down there. And that's three bends down. And I just got some success, you know, some choppy waters on one bend down the the water road. And so uh, how do you stay resilient when you get those rejections? Because I know for me, I just paid off that half million dollars of debt that I created. And a lot of people were like, you should go bankrupt and just get rid of it. And I was like, oh. no, there's something inside of me that wouldn't do it, you know? You say that's a good idea that I didn't. No, I know. I'm saying like I can't believe that people would say just go bankrupt. Like that's I don't understand what feedback that is. I know, and I just got really intimidated by my lawyers telling me like what it would mean for me to claim bankruptcy, even though you know I, I spent four years like paying like paying for my life and paying off a half million dollars cash on an American Express card. So it's like I. I think I'm kind of not necessarily redefining myself. I have a lot of gifts and a lot of assets and a lot of beautiful things with my book coming out and all that stuff. But I think a lot of people have some success and then they get hit just kind of like what you thought. How did you keep your mindset? Like, okay, I'm going to keep going because for me, there was like a two year period where the debt was too high, Ryan, where I was like, I, I don't want to share this. Like I feel too low that this just happened. And I just kept chugging along with my career coaching practice and my online courses. And, and it wasn't until now that I'm kind of on the up again. So what, what would you have to say about that? And have you experienced some level of that, um, in the, in the past years? I'll tell you, you know, when I lose a listing, let's say, Right. I lose, I used to take it really personally when I would lose a deal um, because sometimes clients make it personal. You know, they say, well, I don't like you anymore or you didn't do what you said you were going to do. Or, you know, they, they take their internal frustrations or their frustrations with the marketplace and they make it about me and then they fire me, um, you know, or I, or, I, or I don't get hired in the first place because they go with somebody else. And the best way that I figured out how to get through it uh, are two ways. One. I would, uh, and I honestly believe this, I, I know I said it almost like as a joke for my million dollar listing audition when I said that I, I'm the greatest real estate broker in the history of the world, but I now believe because I've seen kind of the proof in the pudding and what I do all day long. Like I work my ass off. I, 
anyone who meets me to hire me, I believe that I'm going to do a better job than anybody else. Like I, I honestly believe that. And if I think I'm not the right person, I tell people, I say, you know what? I don't think this house is for me. I, I don't think I could sell it as good as this guy can. And I'll refer clients to other people. Um, mm-hmm. So if they don't hire me, I feel, and this might sound crazy, but I feel like they're doing themselves a disservice that I'll send a gift to the people who didn't hire me and to the people who fired me saying, thank you so much for the opportunity. I wish you the best of luck. I'll do everything I can from the outside to try to sell the home. In the meantime, here's an orchid. And you'll be surprised at the amount of times those people come back to me. Like they'll come back in two months and they'll say, Ryan, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I just, I was pressured by my friend because he told me that Bob was you know, so great, but I knew in my gut it was you and Bob sucks. Bob had to return my phone call in four days. Fuck Bob. You know, what do yeah. I do now? And I'm like, unfortunately you're in an agreement for six months. So you've got four months, you know, and I walked them through that whole process. Um, the other thing that is, so that's like a tactical thing that you can do. And it, it works wonders. You got to kill bees with honey. I don't know if you ever heard that mm-hmm. phrase, but it's in the Good sales way. business, especially in a, the wild, wild west of real estate sales in New York city, you kill bees with honey. You make everyone your best friend. You got to bite your tongue all day long, kill them with kindness and but the second thing that I do that is tactical that doesn't involve having to spend money on orchids and chocolates and stuff is if something really bad happens to you today you know you lose a lot of money you lose a big client you get broken up with you don't get that job time heals all wounds but you have to build the time muscle which a lot of people don't have right they know it and when you think back to it you're like oh yeah dude it the thing that happened to me when I was 12, that sucked, but I don't really care about it anymore because now I'm 35. <laughs> like it's, you know, you don't realize that time is a muscle, but how do you work on it? So uh, what I figured out is I would go into my calendar, literally like in my calendar on my phone. Um, and I would go either two weeks, three weeks or 30 days out. Um, and so if let's say like right now, four o'clock on July 6th, right? I would say, okay, something bad just happened right now. I go into my calendar on August 6th at 4 p.m. And let's say it was a, I, I just lost a huge deal um, at 123 Lexington Street. I'll type into my calendar, how do you feel about the deal at 123 Lexington Street? Oh, I love I mean, that. Every single time. By the time that day shows up, August 6th, I see it in my calendar and my assistant's like, Ryan, what is this thing? How, how do you feel? Is that an appointment? Is that this? And I'm like, ah. Uh, I don't know. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Fine. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Or I fixed it or it got done or they bought something else or it's okay because I did 10 more deals since then. What that does for you is it's, is it's your, your, your loss muscle working because you're going to start to build up that muscle memory so that the next time something bad happens or you lose something or you get hurt you will, you'll put it into your calendar because that's what you're going to do. Cause that's what I told you to do. But immediately you're going to start to feel kind of okay about it because you know, guess what? In two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, when I hit that calendar item, it's, it's not going to feel anything because I'm going to have moved on. So mm. it, it, it really, really works. It's like a little thing that I had to teach myself to do because in the sales business where I get, and you know, you you experience the same thing, right? Like we, I have no salary. No one pays mm-hmm. me by the hour. I don't get paid to show up. I work for free all day, every day until I don't. And I only make an income when my clients declare success. <laughs> like that is like they literally have to sign on the dotted line to declare success, at which point seven days later, hopefully a check clears and I will make an income. Like there is there's no guarantees for me. And so I've got to be okay with a significant amount of loss. And, you know, I guess to wrap all that up and like one saying is my job is to lose. And I think we talked about that a little bit on our, our last, our last thing when we did it for SoFi, you know, my job is to lose. And if you're okay with that, kind of like a baseball player, right? If you know that your job is just to swing and that most of the time you're going to miss and strike out, like then you're okay Every time you miss and strike out, because guess what? You just did your job. But every time you hit it, that's bonus. Boom. Like you will feel so much better because that way your job is to get up every day and swing the fuck out of that bat. 
as many mm-hmm. times as you can because it's going to increase your rate of return on how many homers you're going to hit. And that's sales, right? That's life at the same time. Yeah. That is that is that is a volume way it's to look at game. opportunity. Yeah. Hey U-turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but if you're anything like me working from home, this quarantine has got you craving some structure and I have gotten so much out of committing to a morning routine. And for me, that's looked like burning some Palo Santo every morning, sipping some coffee while I'm journaling, and of course, making my daily protein shake with Organifi's vanilla protein powder. I just put a scoop of their vanilla protein, frozen organic strawberries, half a frozen banana and coconut milk into the blender and boom, that little candy addicted five-year-old living inside of me gets so happy feeling like she started her workday with what tastes like a vanilla milkshake with strawberries in it. So if you follow me on the gram, you know that even when I try to eat healthy, I tend to have little snacksidents and that's why I am so grateful that Organifi is now sponsoring the U-Turn podcast. It is such a milestone for us to have them supporting the show and I'm pretty sure that without their super healthy protein powder, I'd be lacking in my morning routine. So if you're looking for some consistency and some structure in your diet, I am really in love with their products, which is why we wanted to get you hooked up with a discount when you go to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G. A-N-I-F-I dot com backslash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N for 15% off. Now let's get back to the episode. One thing I'm thinking of, Ryan, is like you said that I'm the best real estate broker. And like, it's so funny because when I talk to you, I don't feel like you have a lot of ego that I think some people could expect anybody to be doing well on a TV show where they're making money and you know, competing against these other agents, there's like a level of competition or ego that could be interpreted. Like what gave you the confidence to confidence to walk in and be like, I'm the best without being afraid that somebody's going to be like, what is this douchebag telling me he's the best real estate broker in New York? What does he know? Like, how do you kind of surrender what other people think? Because I know a lot of people hold themselves back at the thought of like, what are people going to do with me? And is this going to damage my reputation? Am I going to make a fool of myself? Like, how do you kind of override that fear? I would say you first, you have to be self-aware. Like you have to know who you are and how you present yourself to others. And you, I mean, you know this, so many people are not self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the people that yell in restaurants. Those are the people that ask to see the manager. Like those are the people, you know, that are, that are angry or abusive, that are rude, that carry negative attitudes. Like those people think that they're living life just normally and just fine. And everybody else is the problem. Yeah. Right. Like they, like those, and you know, so you have to be self-aware enough to know that maybe you are the problem. Maybe you're the one in the group chat that all the others talk about in another group chat, because you're kind of annoying. Like maybe Mm. you're the one that people don't want to be around because you're so negative all the time. So you have to be self-aware enough in those situations to know what you're bringing to the table. And, you know, one of the things trying to be an actor in New York City does to you is it beats you down to the ground. There is no more brutal form of public, personal, physical rejection than trying to be a professional actor in New York City. You walk in and you're like, no, you're too fat. No, your face. I don't like your face. Your nose is too big. No, your eyes aren't the right color. Your hair is too gray. You said you're how old? Really? No. Uh, your voice is wrong. Like they beat you down so physically that you eventually learn what what you bring to the table and what you don't. So you know, okay, you know what? I'm 23, but I look like I'm 16. When I walk into the room, people think I'm 16. And here's how I'm going to use it to my advantage. When I walk into the room, I carry myself with the weight of someone 10 years older than me. And people think that I'm really experienced when deep down inside, I have no idea what I'm doing. So here how, here's how I'm going to use that to my advantage. Once you're self-aware, you can walk into the room and do whatever you want. You can carry yeah. yourself in any way, shape, or form. And that's what I was able to do because I'd spent two years in the city getting my ass kicked, trying to be an actor. <laughs> and so I knew when I walked into that audition, all right, what they're going to see, they're going to see a kid 
right, with kind of spiked up hair, um, who's going to have kind of a cocky attitude because that's what I decided I was going to do today. Um, and I'm going to have a lot of self-confidence, but I'm not going to have anything really to show it. And so that's what I'm going to give them. Maybe that would be a good character for this show. And that's what I gave them. Mm-hmm. And they, and they could have said, no, I don't want that. You know, probably today, now that the world is so different than it was 10 years ago, they probably would not cast me. Um, but back then, you know, it's, it's what worked. So you got to get self-aware. You got to know who you are. You know, who are you in the book report? Are you the one mm-hmm. that's going to do all the work with everybody else? Are you the one that is kind of okay with everybody else doing the work? And you got to be honest with yourself. Like, yeah. If you lie to yourself in the mirror, I feel bad for you. How are you ever going to make your way down that river? You got to, you got to wake up and be a hundred percent honest with yourself every day. Mm, So powerful. And you, you know, I actually read a statistic that said 85% of the uh, population is not self-aware. I don't know how they would gather that kind of statistic and research, but uh, arguing that 15% of people kind of have a sense of like, if they did something wrong or taking responsibility for it, stuff like that, which I found really interesting, but it also feels like almost two different things, like be self-aware and then know who you are, which they kind of go hand in hand. But I know I get that a lot of people feel like, who am I really? And yeah. and knowing that you're the one that's going to do the work or not helps you sell yourself, you know, or being able to sell what you know you've got to offer. One question is with your sales tips. So one is being self-aware. And number two, for my note takers here, giving gifts, even when you're rejected. I love that you recommended that. But one thing you said was kill them with kindness. Be And, and I'm wondering, how do you do that and be authentic? Because you were talking about biting your tongue. And sometimes Ryan, like I just want to be candid and I I don't know how to bite my tongue, which is maybe (laughs) I need to get self-aware on even more and work on. But, um, how do you, how do you bite your tongue and feel yourself still? Because sometimes it almost feels like by withholding what you have to say, like you're not honoring what's true and like what, who you are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I guess I would answer that by saying that you don't. I guess you don't have to bite your tongue, but you don't have to say everything you think at all times. Those, those people also are not self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, you might be having a really bad day with somebody who's being really mean and really rude to you, but you also don't know what that person is going through, you know? And so until you have done your full due diligence on why someone is bothering you, bugging you, annoying you, or hurting you, like you don't know if their parents just died. Like you don't know if they just lost their job, if they're going through a bad divorce, if they're neck deep in debt, like you don't know what, what brought that person there. So I always err on the side of caution because the world is small and what comes around goes around. And even people that I, I, you know, as a kid, I would hate, you know, now I do my best to, to kill them with kindness because I know once they heal, and once they're okay, because I'm not going to be the one that's going to help them. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not a charity case and I'm not walking around trying to help the whole world, right? Everyone's an adult. You got to make your, you got to make your own bed, but somebody will help that person. And maybe down the line, a year, 10 years, 30 years from now, they're going to come back into my life in some way. And I don't want them to remember me as just another person who kicked them when they were down. Mm-hmm. I want them to remember me as, you know what, dude, I was such a dick to you. I, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, um, I want to buy a car and I'm going to buy it through you. Is that cool? That's the way I'm going to repay you for that day. You know, I like, you don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't know. Case in point, case in point. So weird. I just remembered this. Um, there, there was an actor when I first got into New York who was a real, real, uh, real dick. (laughs) So good looking and, he dated like this like Victoria's Secret model and he was such a douchebag. Um, mm-hmm. And I had to do this show with him. It was a play and he was so mean to me and like made fun of where I was from. And like, I would wear cowboy boots back then because those were my nice shoes. And like, he just, he was just like, he was just a mean guy without going into a whole lot of it. Anyway, I was, I, I, I was, I'm not a mean person. Right. And so, uh, at least I try not to be. Um, and so I was always really nice to him and everyone else was kind of intimidated two weeks ago out of the blue. Okay. So that was 2006, two weeks ago, 14 years later, I'm this guy apparently follows me on Instagram and he DMs me says, Hey bud, what's up? So good to talk to you. 
Um, anyway, I see, you know, I've been following you, do real estate. I don't know if you remember me. We did the show together. I'm like, uh-huh, 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 dick. I remember you. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you know, I, my parents I have a big apartment, you know, on the Upper East Side. Um, you know, they got divorced a long time ago and my mom's finally ready to sell it. She has a broker, but I'd love to have her work with you. I can make that happen if that, if that works for you. It's like a $20 million apartment. Um, yeah that now is going to come through this guy, like good thing I was nice to him. And now knowing a little bit more about his upbringing backstory and his parents and like growing up by himself and no one loving him and all that, like it, it's no excuse for being a dick to everybody, yeah. but like, I get it. I understand it. And I will laugh all the way to the fucking bank. Yeah, totally. And that actually brings up another question is like, you have a family, beautiful family, a little, little baby girl. And I mean, she's not really a baby anymore. How old is she now? Like two? Uh, she was, she's, she's always going to be a baby for me. She's 16 months. Okay. So um, I'm somewhere in the neighborhood. Yeah. She's tiny and, though, but she's actually huge yeah. you know, compared to other babies. She beats them up. She's very big. Really? She's a big baby. Like a she's big huge. Nice. I'm six foot. Well, how tall? I'm six three. My dad is six six. My wife is five seven. I want to say. No, she's Greek, right? Small and Greek. Which I just figured it, you know, the, the girl would be small and Greek, uh, but no. She's, she's, she's like a golden. You know, have you ever seen like a golden retriever puppy? They're like small body yeah. but huge paws. Yeah, totally. And you're like, oh man, this dog's gonna be huge. And yeah, yeah. It's like this little small body, and she has huge baby feet. Like oh her shoe size like breaks breaks the baby foot internet and like this is not good you're gonna she's gonna be like this massive massive baby she's gonna go into an audition ryan and be like i'm the best one in town damn it yeah (laughs) it's gonna be yeah (laughs) Yeah, she's a lot that's good well you you seem to keep it like you seem to have some a lot of perspective and i feel like you're working in a world where and and this is for anybody who's trying to get better at sales it's a money, there's a lot of money involved, you know, like sales, a lot of people who are selling, they have a commission or they're behind a company that needs to make revenue. How do you kind of like, I don't know, like connect to the meaning of, of what you do beyond that? Because yes, I think everybody loves to just crush it, you know, but I'm sure sometimes you could feel like, oh my God, I, I don't even want to represent this guy. Cause he's not this guy perhaps, but someone else, like he's such an asshole. And yeah. Is it even worth it for me to navigate this person in exchange for my whatever percent com- commission? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you kind of keep yourself intact as you're navigating so much selling and money? Life is short. So I also have to be very, very, very considerate with my own time. If someone is that difficult and I just don't like that person, I don't need to work with you. Like, run free, man. Run, go free. I fired yeah. clients too, you know, just because they were just too much for me. You know, I I can't, I can't have you calling me 15 times a day or being mean to me or being rude to me. Or what I really will not have is somebody being mean or rude or abusive to the people who work with me because they didn't ask for this. You know, I I can put up with a lot and I do because, you know, in my business, a lot of people, you know, are taking huge losses right now when they're trying to sell homes. Like, you know, I I don't know what it's like to lose $5 million uh, on a bad real estate investment. You know, but I'm going to be there for you and you can, you, you can beat me up all you want. I'm going to help you through it. But a lot of my team, you know, are younger and they don't, they, they haven't learned that yet. So, um, you know, I will, I'll walk away from people all the time and just let them go. Let them be free. Send them an orchid. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And as far as sales go, like I know a lot of people listening here, one thing you said to me on our last conversation was you said that you can always tell somebody has some potential to be a good salesperson if they're not afraid to say hello. Yeah. And I love that because um, my first job, and I write about this in my U-turn book, I was an assistant and I remember the big boss coming through this huge ad agency and me saying to the head assistant, like, Oh, can I say hi to her? And she was like, no, 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 she's, she's busy. Like, do not say hi right now. And it was kind of like, there was never a time for me to say hi. And I remember when I gave two weeks notice, the woman walked up to the head assistant as I was giving my notice. And it was like this weird moment where I was introducing myself to her for the first time as I was on my way for what was like a triple promotion 
and a pivot going into counterterrorism at the Pentagon in my early 20s. And her being like, who are you? What are you doing here? Why haven't you said hello to me? And I always learn from there on out, like always say hi. You don't, I don't need to hide. I don't need to be afraid. Um, are there any like things that you look for where you're thinking to yourself, this is somebody I want to hire as a salesperson, or this is somebody who has a lot of promise? I look for three things. I call them my, my three E's. I look for enthusiasm, energy, and empathy uh, as a salesperson, right? If I was hiring like engineers, I look for probably three totally different things. Or if I was looking for, you know, a teacher I don't know, um, or a banker, but for a salesperson and we're all salespeople, like I just happen to wake up every day and physically sell other people's stuff every day. But, you know, even if you're doing podcasts, you know, you're selling your podcast to people you want to be on it. And so you've got to mm-hmm. convince them, Hey, my podcast is a good use of your 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know, that's a sell, you know, mm-hmm. people talk to me all the time. Like, well, I'm not a salesperson. I'm a, I work behind you know, the counter at the pharmacy. I'm like you, so you don't sell product at all. You never sell someone hydrocortisone cream when they're itchy. You don't sell them a different kind of medicine. You know, it's for all salespeople. And even if you don't think you are at work, you are, you're personally selling yourself to your partner, to kids, you know, schools, etc. But I, I look for uh, those three E's and, you know, energy um, is you can tell when people walk in the room. That's an immediate mm. thing. I can tell mm. if you've got good energy, if you've got bad energy, right? And I can tell when you leave. I can also tell, I'm oh, sorry, I can tell when you get there and I can also tell when you leave. Because a lot of people yeah. can walk into a room and have nervous energy, but that doesn't translate into Monday through Friday energy. And I need you to have Monday through Sunday energy uh, mm-hmm. to work through me. So you've got to be able to wake up and be energized and go to bed energized. Um, and that's something that you can kind of teach, but it's also something you just got to you want for yourself. And so that's something that I, I, I look for because I can teach anybody anything. Um, yeah. you know, my fourth E is education because it's like a little E and I don't really mention it because I, I can teach anyone sales and how to sell real estate, uh, but I can't really teach them to be energized. Uh, empathy uh, and enthusiasm, I, I figure out with two questions. Um, enthusiasm, I ask, them, I ask them to tell me about the greatest day of your life. And you'd be surprised. <laughs> like some people don't know how to answer that or they answer it stone cold or they're like the day my daughter was born. I'm like, all right. All right. Super enthusiastic about that day. Does she know how excited you were about that day? <laughs> and I need people for me who are going to be, who can tell me a story, who can be enthusiastic about the day their daughter was born. Like, tell me, man, you don't even, it was crazy. You don't even understand. Because if you can't be enthusiastic with me, how are you ever going to be excited with a client about a home they want to buy? Or how can mm. you be excited about a deal for a client where that client doesn't even want to do that deal? And you got to be excited because sales when you cut down to it, it's just the transfer of enthusiasm. That's it. I'm never selling a house. I don't sell a house. I transfer enthusiasm from a seller to a buyer through me. And so the enthusiasm can't die with me. Right? I'd, be, I'd be a terrible conduit. Um, and empathy, I ask them, tell me about the worst day of your life. And if they're like, the day my mom died, <laughs> that's like also that doesn't work for me um i don't know i don't want you to cry sob pull out your phone check a thousand videos but i, I want to be able to connect with you in that moment because if you can't connect with me on the worst day of your life how are you ever same thing right how are you going to connect with a client when they're having to sign a contract at a massive loss or mm-hmm. how are you going to connect with them when they just lost a deal and it was the fourth deal they lost and you're their agent and you got to be there for them. You got to understand just like a doctor, right? You don't, you don't have all the answers and no one expects you to have all the answers all day long, but you've got to be able to sit there or be on the phone or be on that zoom or be in person. You got to be able to say authentically, I understand. And you got to have that person believe you. If they don't believe you. Then you are just another snake oil salesman. Mm, okay. And you know, you're talking about energy. And so I have a couple questions about like cold outreach and following up, but I also want to ask you like, how do you stay energized? Like, is there something you're doing beyond like getting a certain amount of sleep or how are you taking care of yourself and staying so energetic in the way that you hope your sales team is as well? First of all, are you in New York right now? No, I'm in Los Angeles. Oh my God. The uh, thunderstorms that have been rolling through here once a day are in like I'm in the office I'm in right now in the last five minutes. I went from 90 degrees, sunny insanity to pitch 
black, 2 a.m., and the thunder and lightning just is like out of a movie. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Feels like a metaphor for my personality as I was editing my book, which I know you're in the process of that with yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's uh, it's wild. Um, so <laughs> what was your question? Energy, just like how you keep your energy up. You're oh. talking about the crazy yeah, yeah. weather. Sorry, the rainstorm threw me off. Um, uh, I'm eating nuts right now, so nuts help. Uh, mm-hmm. Good walnuts and cashews and things. Um, I, I, I pack my day. I pack my day. I am booked on the 15 minute mark, and I, I believe I made a vlog about it, but uh, a while ago. <clears throat> but I, I, I believe in the the thousand minute rule. I have a thousand minutes every day. Every day I wake up, um, and I'm I'm given a brand new thousand dollar check but it's not in dollars. It's in minutes. And I get to do whatever I want with it. And I can be an idiot with it and spend it on stupid stuff like Netflix and my couch, right? Or I can make the most of it and put that money to work so that it can pay dividends for my life tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Um, so even during quarantine, right? I like my schedule never changed. I wake up at five o'clock. Um, I go to the gym, even in quarantine, I was just running right? Circles, doing push-ups and sit-ups and terrible stuff like that. I hate all that stuff. Um, <laughs> shower, you know, kiss the baby, go to work in quarantine. I go to work like, you know, in my little uh, garage thing in New Hampshire we had, uh, and here in New York, I just go to the office and I'm booked all day long and I create a busy schedule for myself, right? Like even 15 minutes can be, okay, think about that deal or think about this thing or call this person or do that thing, so that way I can use those thousand minutes as best I possibly can. And it keeps me energized, right? It keeps me going. The, the gym in the morning is a huge thing for me though. That I know people talk about it all the time, so I don't want to believe, you know, kind of uh, labor on it, but uh, uh, it's my days are really messed up when I don't work out in the mornings. And I never used to be a morning person. Like my whole life, I was an evening workout person. I hated the mornings. I just wanted to work out. Like I was in college. I was the guy that worked out in the gym by himself and closed it down from like 10 to 11 PM. And then when I got a job and responsibility, it's like, I can't do that anymore because now my evenings are time for, you know, at the time my girlfriend and, you know, winding down and emails and dinner meetings and clients and networking. So the time that I have when no one's emailing me or calling me is like five to 7 AM. That's when I work out. It's when I hang out with the baby. It's when I do my thing. And then I'm jazzed and ready to go. And I just, I follow my calendar and it takes me on an insane roller coaster. Mm, Yeah. Every day I wake up, I don't even know what's on my calendar until I look. And then I'm like, damn, we've got a day ahead. Um, And I know your book, Big Money Energy is available for pre-order right now. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what the right person is to be reading this book, what it's really about for you, what inspired you to even and write it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always wanted to kind of put my thoughts into two books. Um, one book would be tactical and one book would be mental. So mm. One book would be all actionable. The other book would be all mindset. And so the first book that came was Sell Like Sirhan, which was my sales book, um, How to Build a Sales Career. And it's tactical and it's actionable. Every chapter, there's no fluff, there's no bullshit. Right? It is literally, this is what you do the moment you wake up. This is what you do when you go to bed. This is how you follow up. This is how you talk to people. This is how you carry yourself. This is everything you need to do to build a massively successful sales career. Um, and it's been a huge book for me. I mean, it spawned a, it turned into a spinoff TV show on Bravo called Sell Like Sirhan. It turned into the sales course, which has been huge. And that was kind of book one. Book two, which is what we're, we're almost done with now, that'll come out in January. And you can pre-order it at bigmoneyenergy.com is the second part to that. And so if you, you know, if you do any research on like the military, you know, like Navy SEALs, right? If you want to become a Navy SEAL, they teach you how to, how to actually be a Navy SEAL, how to swim, how to shoot, okay, all that. But then there's also the mindset training, the mental training, what happens when they beat you up at three in the morning, how you can weather the storm. That's almost harder than the tactical training, but you put two and two together, you pass both and you get to be a Navy SEAL, Big money energy is that mindset training. It is it is the secret sauce to the ingredients that I gave everybody in Sell It Like Sirhan. And it's for anybody that wants to be able to walk into a room knowing exactly who they are, what they have to give, and have everyone pay attention to what they have to say. Um, 
and it's hard to do. And if you can learn how to do that, if you can have that, that muscle built up where you have the confidence to do what you need to do every day, even if you're not confident in what you're doing, like, mm-hmm. that's big money energy. And so, I don't know. I think it's for everybody. I, I thought Sell Like Sirhan was only going to be bought by like my mom and real estate agents, you know, in and around New York. But mm-hmm. it's also people all over the world. And a lot of the people who bought it aren't even real estate agents. It's like doctors, you know. But writers, bankers, you know, students, so many kids have bought it and read it um, because it ended up becoming this kind of like entrepreneurial, tactical um, uh, blueprint for success for anybody that doesn't want to have a boss. And I, I didn't even think about it that way when I wrote it, but that's it ended up being what it became, which is cool, but also totally crazy. And so this, yeah. I think it's kind of for the same group, right? If you, um, if you want to make something of your life and be the person who, who determines that, meaning mm-hmm. if you want to look in the mirror and say, okay, it's just you and me, buddy, then, then this book is for you. Oh, I'm so excited to read it. And my final question for everybody is what makes you respond to an email? Because I know you get pitched all sorts of stuff all day long and everybody who is listening usually is practicing some level of cold emailing to sell themselves, whether they want to get a job interview or network with somebody like what makes a cold email stand out? Uh, it's being short. So brevity. Okay. Mm -hmm. Don't write me an essay. People write essays all the time about their own feelings. I don't care. Everyone's got feelings. There's 7 billion people on this planet. Okay. Like I, I, like I said before, like this isn't charity. Um, uh, and I feel for you, but I also feel for a lot of people that are in worse positions than you are that don't have an iPhone, Bob. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, it's brevity, right? It's getting to the point. And it's also doing your research. Okay. Mm. So like I respond to emails where people bring up stuff from my past. I'm like, how the fuck would they know that? Or damn, man, they watched that. That's cool. Or, you know, they, or wow, they did read the book. The ones I don't respond to are like, Ryan, I just read Big Money Energy. It's awesome, dude. Change my life. Can we talk? I want to come meet you. I'm like, Dick, book's not even finished yet. It's not even out. This email is okay with my life. Right? Or yeah. a lot of people who have asked for podcasts, like, love the book. Can't wait. Let's do the podcast August 12th. I'm like, the book, I don't even, like, delete, spam, <laughs> wherever. Um, uh, you know, just, or sending copy and paste it. Like, you gotta be careful too. People copy and paste cold emails all the time. You know, and you don't check the format the font or the text size, and then comes through to the other person as looking copy and pasted. So when in doubt, send a test to a Gmail of your own or your mom or your brother or whatever first to see what it looks like. And then, you know, or, or just type it completely fresh. And then always think about what, what do you have to offer? Why is your email of any value to the person who's about to read it? So many people send me emails that are just about them and what mm. I can do for them. Like, mm-hmm. you think I have the time for you? Like, I, yeah, I have my, I have a family. I have my own team. I have so many clients. You no, know, I have like, I have a thousand clients that depend on me every day. Like, I, I don't have the time for you and your essay and your feelings and why you think I should send you money. Like, I, I, you know, if you keep it short and you say, here's how I'm going to help you, and then there's a value trade, then let's do it. And there's a lot of people who work for me that started with cold emails and they did it the right way. Mm, love this. And thank you so much. And where do you prefer for everybody to follow you other than going to bigmoneyenergy.com to get the book and pre-order? Um, where can everybody keep learning from you? Um, you can call me to sell your apartment anytime or your parents' apartment <laughs> or your friend's apartment. Okay. Um, anyone who's listening, we're best friends forever now. So you can always say that I'm best friends with Ryan Sirhan from that show. You should sell your house for him. Let's do it. Um, um, at Ryan Serhant in everywhere, Instagram, everywhere, uh, YouTube, etc. And, uh, you can email me Ryan at Ryan Serhant.com. Mm, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. going on U-Turn friends it's Ash here and I absolutely love talking to Ryan Serhan I find him to be so real so grounded and I love people like that when they're working in a arena like a Bravo television show where they can totally have their head fly off into the rails and have an ego and he really just doesn't have one and one of the things I was thinking about as I was talking to him is this new book that I've been reading and I'm really excited to get his book Big Money Energy 
And there's a book I've been reading, and it's a bit religious, so it's probably not for you if you are not open to that. And I'm not really uh, a religious person, so I just kind of take what I like from it and leave what I don't. But it's called The Power of Favor by Joel Osteen. And I love the first page of the book, and I just wanted to read it to you because I think that Ryan Surhunt has a lot of favor, and I'm wondering how you can apply this perhaps to your life. So the first page reads... What God has in your future, you can't accomplish on your own. There are places he's going to take you that you can't get to by yourself. There will be obstacles that look too big, dreams that seem impossible. You're going to need assistance for where you're going. The good news is God, or you can use the word spirit, universe, whatever has you, has something, has put something on you that gives you an advantage, something that will open doors that you can't open, something that will make you stand out in the crowd, and it's called favor. Favor will cause good breaks to come to you. Favor will take you from the background to the foreground. Favor will give you preferential treatment, things you don't deserve. You weren't next in line, but you got the promotion. On paper, it didn't make sense, but the loan went through. That person who was so against you, for some reason, they've changed, and now they're for you. That wasn't a coincidence. That was favor. We can work hard, be faithful, be diligent, and that's important, but that will only take us to a certain level. And the book continues on to say, one touch of favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. And I absolutely loved reading this book because I do feel like as a person, I have had what some people might call luck, other people might call grace, um, and what this book would call favor. And whether it's God or just the universe or some sort of other force that's been bringing it to me divinely, I have always noticed that magical themes, things seem to come my way. And I've often wondered, like, what am I doing that is creating these magical opportunities or moments or conversations? And how can I help other people have that too? And I I first focused on my friends. Like, I'm always wanting my friends to get somewhere or get something or just succeed in the way that they want to. And Uh, One of the things the book talks about is how people who have favor will leak favor onto other people. And for me, wherever I get favor, whether it's my podcast is expanding or I get an awesome guest like Ryan to come on or um, right now there's like a TV show that I might be in. Whatever it is, I always make sure that I leak favor onto other people that I think deserve some favor, which arguably everybody deserves favor. So I just focus on the people that I love and I go out of my way to support them. And what the book really talks about is if you have favor. And so I want to just ask you right now, do you feel like you have favor? Do you feel like there's some sort of like force field around you that brings you good energy and good deals or good luck? Or it doesn't have to just be money. It could be people. And the second thing to draw your attention to is if you look at your life, you'll probably realize the top three most important people to you were not somebody you worked to get into your life. Usually it's somebody that just got there by favor. Like there's some sort of like act of grace or some sort of luck or favor, if you want to call it, that brought that person into your life. And I think it's so important to notice that because we live in a world where we are taught to work hard and create results. But what we forget often is that the most important things in our life, usually it's our best friend or our partner, are things that happen by quote unquote chance, things that we just kind of fell into. And I think that for me, I always want to be around people who have favor because they have such good energy. I want what they're having all the time. And I noticed that Ryan Serhan is somebody that has a lot of favor. And he seems to be bleeding favor onto other people. And I was really kind of studying how he was communicating throughout the podcast interview and noticing that he really does believe to leave places better than you came to them. He really does believe in being kind to everyone. He really does believe in enthusiasm, empathy, encouragement. Uh, I know he's talking about the three E's and he added education, like educating yourself. And I just absolutely loved listening to that and want to ask you now, do you have favor? Where do you think you've had favor? What are the biggest breaks you've ever gotten in your life? I think everybody has a career that had a break. If you're not having any big breaks, what do you think you're doing to keep yourself from kind of getting back into favor? What can you do to create more favor in your life? Because people like Ryan, it's like he decided he was going to succeed and he kept going until he did. It's almost like a combo of him having favor, but also being willing to create it for himself. And I absolutely love that. So lots of thoughts on this episode. Um, 
Also just wanted to thank Organifi again for sponsoring this episode. You guys are just so amazing to work with and I'm so grateful for all of your products and everybody that has been trying the smoothie protein. I see you. I absolutely love your DMs. The green juice from Organifi, it's so much fun to hear from you. If you haven't tried their products, you know me, I don't really sell that much stuff and it's because I don't like to sell things I'm not really into. I'm so into Organifi lately. Um, if you go to Organifi, dot com it's o-r-g-a-n-i-f-i dot com slash u-turn y-o-u-t-u-r-n um, you can use that u-turn discount code to get 15 percent off all their products highly recommend if you're looking for a morning routine to start with their protein shakes uh, powder i've been using it every single day and i'm obsessed with it and it tastes like a like a milkshake which is everything um, but also the green juice is really good to elevate your immunity right now when we're in such weird times and yeah, so thankful for you listening to the episode, sharing it with friends, writing reviews. It means so much to us. And I, I'm wishing you a day full of favor. And if you don't have favor, I'm wishing you the opportunity right now to ask yourself, who has favor in my life? How can I be surrounded by them more often? And how can I be someone that creates more favor and gets out of my own way? All right, sending you love. This is Ashley Stahl, checking out. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. If any of our guests mention any resource that you're interested in, you can head on over to ashleystall.com and press the podcast tab to see any show notes. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. On that page, you're also going to see our brand new free quiz helping you discover which career path you're actually meant for. It's followed by tons of content-packed emails about your personality in the workforce and of course we just can't thank you enough for your written reviews these reviews mean a lot for our show to keep getting out there so if you ever send me a dm on the gram and i'm so grateful that you have i would love it if you would copy and paste that into the podcast app of your smartphone as a written review it would mean so much for us over here at the show thanks again for being here and i can't wait to connect with you next week